Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. So our next segment of today, we have Miss Stephanie Collada. She is a U.S. Army Reserve Sergeant First Class veteran and co-founder and creator of founder and creator of Veteran Legislative Voice. So we have a few things to ask her today, and this all ties in again to the National Wellness Month. Miss Collada, are you with us today? Yes, I am. I'm excited to be here. I'm great that you're here. Your presence is my present. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I do want to let you guys know there's a new thing that the VA has uh, done recently. They recognized the um, three conditions as presumptives for anyone that had a tour in the Gulf in the Southeast Asia. Wow. And those are asthma, rhinitis, and sinusitis. Okay. And they must have been diagnosed within 10 years of the Veterans Overseas Service. Okay. So we've got a, so that actually can be pretty awesome for a couple of vets that have had that issue around burn pits. So you have you wanted to talk about stateside toxic exposures from PFAS chemicals. What are PFAS chemicals? So they are um, certain te- chemicals that actually was used since the 40s, and they were in like Teflon pans. There's mm-hmm. cosmetics, those type of things. They were utilized um, in ver- various industries because of their ability to repel water okay. and oil. And so this was also used in firefighting foam mm-hmm. the firefighting foam has been really getting big in the media lately because it can go into the soil it can go in the water it can be in the um, natural life and it actually has been found to cause cancer cause high blood pressure um, cause low fertility rates and pretty scary part is that you know when when a soldier or a service member deploys there's some sort of acceptiveness that there might be toxic exposure when you deploy Mm -hmm. they don't normally think about it when it's stateside and most families that um, military families live on post and military installations have the highest concentration of pfas in anywhere else in this country why is and that? So what, it, what caused what? I mean, I can, I can see some of the use. I mean, talking about repelling water, things mm-hmm. like that. I can see that being useful in the Navy, particularly because fires are, that's one of the biggest risks you have and being on a ship out in the sea is your, your ship catching fire with all the explosives and things that you can, that are there and, and being a target also. Um, but why is this particularly, and we also have this thing in the back of our minds, the first thing we think of chemicals in, the, in the, most people's minds, we think of Agent Orange. And what yes, that caused our or, Yes, and when they think of stateside exposure, a lot of people think of Camp Lejeune. Okay. So um, the PFAS in the firefighting foam is used within the hangars. So that's planes, jets, and helicopters. Mm-hmm. The Army has the highest amount of helicopters, mind you. So these are used and actually showered into a hangar and can fill almost all the way up and that's what they do. They exercise it, and it puts out all of the fires that may actually happen. But the problem is the downside is that it makes the environment toxic. Mm-hmm. Now, is this an oversight? Do you see this as, or is this something that just wasn't 
um, on the radar is something that, you know, that, that when we created these types of chemicals, why is it that we don't see it so much in the civilian world, but we're seeing it more so on a military basis? Well, Pentagon officials have understood the risks of this type of firefighting, firefighting film since the early 1970s, when the Navy and Air Force studies first showed that it's toxic to fish. In the early 1980s, Air Force conducted its own animal studies on the firefighting film, and in the early 2000s, the marker of the uh, fluorinated chemical, which is PFOS, which is still in the same family of PFAS, the main ingredient in the firefighting foam ex- exited the market. They stopped using it. And in 2001, the Defense Department memo concluded that the main ingredient with this firefighting foam is persistent bioaccumulating and toxic. But the problem is that the DOD waited until 2011 to warn service members about these risks. And so once again, we have to come to that question. The obvious question is, you know, why would uh, you put soldiers and and airmen and seamen at risk? Um, Even though you're trying to prevent a fire, we understand fire safety, but why would you put them at risk when you have evidence, you have research that shows that this is deadly? It's a great question, and I can't answer that for you yeah, in the minds of the general. That's mind. That's the first. I mean, yeah. we, and we know we have to wrestle with this question. We know that it's not an easy question to answer, but and it almost is one of those questions, almost a, a rhetorical question in a sense, because you kind of you, you almost want to say you know the answer, but the idea is you know we but, we, but you can't really you don't know the answer in a sense, right? So I mean, so it's, well, it's, so it's, it's like a catch twenty two, but. It, the the tragedy of it is that now you have people that are having these types of uh, of uh, healthcare issues and things. And what are those healthcare issues that people are reporting? Are people coming forward now and saying, "I have this. I have these symptoms"? Yes, and, that, and that's been becoming pretty big since 2011. Um, it can cause liver damage, thyroid disease, decreased fertility, high cholesterol, like I said, obesity, hormone suppression, and cancer. So how does a person, if they start having these symptoms, how do they know if this is something that I got maybe because I was handling certain chemicals? Because even looking at, for example, um, as a military uh, veteran myself and looking at you know things I've done in the military, chemicals I handled in the military. I mean, the, the reflective yeah. paint on vehicles, um, you know, the, the mosquito repellent they gave you that was left over from Vietnam. <laughs> I mean, all the stuff that, yeah. you know, that you put on your body and things that you're breathing that you don't really think about. You know, people, Yeah, well, the depletion. Yeah. The depleted uranium in the tanks. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was also very big when I deployed to uh, Kuwait. They they were in the armor, they were in the um, artillery, and I transported that stuff. Mm. I was all over it. So there are a lot of concerns out there. Um, there's actually a bill uh, that passed the House, and it's HR two four six seven, and it's the PFAS Action Act of two thousand one. Now, what, the, what it does is that it requires the administrator of the EPA to designated, designate these chemicals as hazardous con- substances under the Comprehensive Environmental Response Compensation and Liability Act of 1980. And that's the quote-unquote, you know, super fund. What it does is that it makes it toxic, it outlaws anybody from making it, and then also um, requires reports and cleanup. Okay. Um, I haven't found very much on the compensation portion, so I'm still researching it because it's a lot of material. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the first step because after that is outlawed and recognized as a toxic chemical, toxic substance, which is crazy, it hasn't been labeled like that yet, um, 
it's the first steps into getting to compensation and care. Mm-hmm. And the scary part is that it could be impacting, you know, the military families, the yeah. DOD civilians, DOD contractors, mm-hmm. the guy that runs the Burger King on post could right. be inter- impacted by this. And he or she might not have any availability through the VA disability. Wow. So contractors, so they don't, what's, what's their health care system like? So if, if you're a vet, if you're, I never thought about that. Cause if you're a contractor, cause the people on post, you might have civilian shops and stores like the meat that stores, the, the pizza place that, you know, serves pizza on post, mm-hmm. the Burger King, like you mentioned, whatever, you know, how do they get, how do they get health care? Do they have to do their own health care? Do they get, are they covered? Are they, can they use TRICARE or something like that? What do they, what do they do for health care? Yeah. They're usually on their own with the health care. Um, certain, if you're a DOD civilian, you um, you can get into the federal stuff, because I used to be a, a DOD civilian for the Army Reserve. There's the federal type of health care packages you can get. So, like, I was with the federal Blue Cross Blue Shield. Okay. So, you have that. The contractors, it depends on the contracted companies that they go with. So, it's it's a big variety. And so... That also opens up the question of compensation and care. So that's the next step is once it once it gets inputted on for the super fund, the next steps would be actually trying to set out all the rules and regulations for that. Okay. So if a person starts having these symptoms or they or they, they question whether or not they've had certain levels of exposure, what should they be doing? Mm-hmm. They should be contacting the representatives, their senator, and finding and asking them to vote for this bill it's now in with the senate um so they need to contact both their senators um it's very easy to find you can google who uh where's my senator and the best way to contact them is by phone if you do it by email or by mail it's going to take a couple of months even email which is frustrating (laughs) if you call them directly and you let them know what you feel how how this is impacting you and that how it would change your life mm-hmm. once the bill is passed. Those things are very important for Congress people to understand and to know because sometimes they just don't know who is being impacted by it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, and for those that think that these Congress people don't have, you know, don't have any sincerity for their own constituents, there's a lot of um, sincerity from these Congress people. Um, there's a story that was in the New Yorker back when. Sandy Hook happened, and they were pushing uh, anti-gun control laws. There was a, this one congressman who was from a very red state. He asked his assistants and uh, pretty much what are the feelings of his constituents, because they were calling to let them know, you know, don't vote for it. I want to keep my guns, those things. Mm-hmm. But there was 99% were against the bill. One wasn't, one phone caller, because... She actually had children in school, and she was terrified. Wow. That person from a red state voted for the gun control bill because of that person's communication. Wow. So those things really do count for everyone. So do you have any numbers or any places that are any information of where they should call? Did you can advise our, our um, listeners? Actually, uh, on my website, vetcets, legislativevoice.org, um, I have information of how to contact your congressman, um, examples for if you're going to write it or email or call, or you have a little example script. 
um, and I have a few spotlighted bills, and this one is actually going to be published tonight for this bill is going to be on my website. So it's vetslegislativevoice.org. And I think that's really incredible that you're doing this because I've been saying this for a long, long time, is that we as veterans, because we have the experience, because we have, we know what goes on in the military, we have the the, the knowledge, are a lot of people in Congress, a lot of them are, are not veterans. It, I mean, we're seeing less and less veterans in Congress. I mean, and the military population is, is shrinking as well. So, I mean, we have, I mean, we have like the, I think I was looking at the numbers the other day. This, it looks like there's about uh, close to like one in, 1.8, almost 2 million, less than 2 million uh, soldiers in service right now. You have 20 million mm-hmm. veterans, but about 2 million service members. Um, Vietnam, yep. during Vietnam, we had like 3 or 4 million. Right. And that's so true. And it, it is the reduction in force, but it's also because of the technology and the things that we can do nowadays. The other problem is that with the veterans, the veterans population has dropped 4 million in the last six years. And that's because of the Vietnam and the World War II and Korean War vets Mm -hmm. have been passing on. So that's the other thing is that the constituent base is so much smaller. It is at the lowest point now of veterans for this congressional session is at the lowest point. And I believe the number is 14 percent. I can double check. But it's that small. I mean, there's stories uh, during the last election of how many veterans, you know, won in Congress, got their positions, those type of things. But it's just spotlights. It's not the full number of people that are uh, going for office. Hmm. There was 80 percent of um, 80 percent of the Congress were veterans back in the 80s and 90s. Wow. It is crazy. (laughs) It's crazy. Crazy. (laughs) And you think about it, you know, yeah, and we had a few civilian uh, presidents as well. But, you know, the, exactly. And the thing the thing that, 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 I, that I think is so striking, though, is that you, you would think with the knowledge that we have and the, the awareness that we have, at least in academia, at least in, like I said, amongst the veteran uh, population, that there would be more uh, thought put into to changing a lot of the laws. Like, for example, I think it's ridiculous the way the health care system is structured for veterans. I mean, like I say this every single time. I remember I get a chance to mention to people when you get hurt at the job. Well, if you go, if you, if I get a job at McDonald's and I have health care at McDonald's, mm-hmm. you're never going to argue with me and say, well, no, you didn't burn your hand on the fry machine. I just go to the hospital. Right. Well, it's, there's plus and minuses on how the veterans affairs run their business. It is very different for a lot of people. The, the, one of the big things that I like about the veteran affairs is that it's the huge access of knowledge for your medical records. If you were not in the military, uh, many people would understand experience that I've at least had when you had to go to the ER, you had to go to an urgent care, you had to tell them your entire life history. Mm-hmm. And for anyone, for a veteran especially, has a very long mm-hmm. history, medical history. Um, I believe when I got out at 15 years, it was, I think two and a half inches thick wow. <laughs> by yeah. paper. Can, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So a lot of people are like that. And when you go to the Veteran Affairs Hospital, like, for instance, I went to the urgent care one time. I had a terrible upper respiratory infection. And I had a history of pneumonia, blown eardrums, and some other issues. Just because I went in for upper respiratory infection, those doctors knew my history, wow. checked each possible condition that I might have again, mm-hmm. And then took and then gave me everything to then send me home. So those things is really awesome to understand and to use. Um, 
they're so connected because if you go to the ER, they set you up with an appointment with your primary care doctor within that week, or they try to within that week afterwards to discuss your issues. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things. The VA had, there's a lot of bad stories about it, but they are making huge advances (laughs) in the last couple of years. And there's also, um, there's different, there's different levels of care. Like there's a rating system, I know, than the VA, for a VA hospital. I think there's like a five, I think it's, I can't yeah. remember if five is good or one is bad, but the, every VA system, like the one in DC had a lot of problems. And there were, even yeah. the, the healthcare workers were working there went to, I tried to, to get it investigated and find out, get to the bottom of why things were going so wrong, horribly wrong at the one in DC. Whereas here in Chicago, yep. the Jesse Brown VA is, is highly rated and people love the Jesse yeah. Brown VA. We're very yeah. fortunate here what in Illinois. Is- yeah, and one of the things that now I live in I live near Bay Pines in St. Pete, uh, Florida, and the Bay Pines Hospital is awesome. Mm-hmm. But I've lived a cu- different couple of places. So I've lived near Jackson, Mississippi, and that one was the one of the lowest rated hospitals I've ever been to. Um, the biggest thing that a lot of veterans, or at least patients of the VA, don't understand is that when you have an issue with the doctors, mm-hmm. you go straight to patient advocacy. And they can get it taken care of. And then if patient advocacy doesn't solve it for you, you can call your congressman. You can go. Uh, you can go higher into the VA hospital. You can report it to the region. There's a lot of big steps that you can get things taken care of when you have a bad experience. I had one primary or pain management doctor that told me to uh, stop taking, stop doing yoga, and start taking opioids for my issues. Wow. And this was in uh, 2018. So Mm. after the opioid crisis was already pretty big and rampant. So I called my primary care doctor and reported them. Mm. Those things can actually happen and make an effect. Um, It is a lot of veterans because they were low ranked and had low responsibility. They're they're the guy mopping the floor and taking out the trash. Mm -hmm. Those people don't realize how much you can actually make an effect when you start telling people what's going on. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing about contacting your constituents. You have that power to let them know. And social media has been great mm-hmm. on letting constituents know how things are actually happening. The hashtag I am Vanessa Gain Act, uh, hashtag Me Too, Military Me Too, those things have gotten into the congress people's hands and have those stories and that's the reason why they're having hearings that is important to us as veterans or current military that makes effect on their day-to-day life if there was one legislative um, change or one law or or even a repeal of a law that you could think of that would be most critical that could really um, help and transform how veterans get their health care and how veterans are, are um, how veterans' health is even treated in the military and as and outside the military. What would that be? What would what what law do you think should be on the books um, if you could have your wish list? Um, I would say the repeal of the Ferris Doctrine, and there's another one. What is the Ferris? The Ferris Ferris Doctrine is more for the current military, but it's basically a person cannot sue the government or the military for something for anything that was done in negligence okay yeah so um there's been a lot of things that's been happening recently um that's really have gotten out so if uh, military members were ignored during sexual assault or sexual harassment and then they were injured severely because 
military members, commanders, did not follow through with their responsibilities. And those people cannot uh, file any lawsuit over it. There's been um, service members, women, that have died during childbirth because of the negligence of the doctors in the military hospitals. Do you think it's negligence, um, or was it more incompetence, or was it true just you know just negligence? It's it's a range. Okay. <laughs> the, I would say both happens. Um, I would have to look back on the story that I remember because um, it the, there was a situation of a military member uh, that had died from negligence, and also her baby was also uh, injured during the labor because the doctor was not doing the proper techniques, proper procedures. Well, and you would think that that in the civilian world, that would be malpractice all day long. Exactly. But then there's no repercussions. There's no follow through on what happens to people that have these responsibilities and they do not act upon it. And that's the part um, I really don't understand about the military. So, for example, I mean, uh, to me, it'd be more cost effective even if you, for example, yeah. you, you made a mistake. You have this chemical out this out there as Agent Orange, whatever this killing veterans, to me, it makes more sense rather than paying death claims and lawsuits and with the technology that we have to treat the veteran, give them yes. access to the health care that they actually need, make them better rather than just letting them go through all kinds of, you know, uh, problems and then having a bigger problem when they finally sue you guys or whatever happens down the road. Cause just because I know there's been lawsuits by veterans brought to different uh, parts of the military to get benefits and things like that. That costs money yeah. to do that. Yes, there there was one um, there was one service member that won his case because the doctors completely ignored um, his test results for cancer, and he I think for four years the doctors ignored the reports that actually was a positive test for cancer, and he won. But the thing is that it's so limited on what can be done; it's not um, conducive for the rest of the people that are in similar situations. What do you mean? I don't so, understand the part. Um, so for his medical, for it was complete negligence in that case for the positive test that the doctors never, you know, told him about or even acted on. So that part's negligence. But if the commander makes the wrong decision and ignore like warnings of flash floods mm-hmm. and make them continue on with the convoy and the convoy was washed out by the river and nine people died which happened in 2016 in Fort Hood um, including a West West Point candidate this this uh, person wasn't even commissioned yet and passed away on the convoy although there are conflicted reports on what happened but if if it was actually true that a commander or a um, officer ordered them to continue on despite flash flood warnings there should be some sort of repercussions on a leader like that. That's, that's sad. But there is, yes, but because of first doctrine, they cannot. Hmm. Stephanie, I really appreciate your, your coming on the show and giving us this information. This is really powerful information. And I want to have you back at some point. We've got to have you back on the show and also explain again exactly the importance of the legislative part of being a veteran. We have a voice, so we have to get this information out there and start making some changes. Stephanie comes back every month. She's okay. one of our partners. Yeah. All right. Bravo, Stephanie. Yeah. Okay. Thank Great you. Show. Yes. And I- oh, wow. America's Heroes Group, 
we're so blessed to have so such great people of excellence. And Sean, you're one of them. I try my best. You've been around a long time, so you did a great job as one of our new co-hosts. Yes, Doctor Arnold is not present today because he's attending a family funeral and Cliff couldn't be in. So Sean, you did a magnificent job. I try my best. Yes. I didn't have to do anything, people, but sit back and relax. Hello. Yes. <laughs> so please feel free to call America's Heroes Group at 312-803-2618. We're located at 155 North Weco Drive, Suite 4250. Regarding concerns and issues dealing with housing, social services, wellness care, or whatever, that's why we're here for you. Once again, 312 312- Eight zero three two six one eight. We're so grateful always to our print media partner, Mrs. Dr. Lavelle of the Chicago Crusaders. Please call Mrs. Lavelle at 773-752-2500 and request a subscription to read our weekly article in the Chicago Crusaders titled Voices with Cliff Kelly and America's Heroes Group. To our technical producer, Art Gaza, the smooth operator and the best digital media producer around Chicagoland area. Ivan of Scouts Honor Production. Wonderful job today, guys. Wonderful job. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.